0: Or go to failyourway.com for more info. Now back to the show.
1: I wouldn't say we fell in love right away. I think we were, as they call it in the biz, trauma bonding.
0: And then after eight years of being insufferably sober, I started drinking again. Addicts tend to be rather sensitive people. Aren't you Mark Marin? I'm like, yeah. And she goes, What happened to you? Hey, you guys, you're listening to Recover Girl. I'm your host, Anna David. It's a podcast about addiction recovery and sharing your dark to find your light. You can get it on iTunes and SoundCloud and all those other places. And by the way, if you subscribe to this podcast, I'd be so super psyched. I got nothing to say besides that, except it helps other people find the show, takes a second. I'll totally, you know what? I'll subscribe to your podcast. Since everybody's got a podcast today, I bet you do. So please email me, anna at annadavid.com. Totally, totally trade subscriptions. Okay, wiped out today. Not going to stop this intro because I'm so excited to talk about this woman that it's going to liven me up right now. You're going to be able to witness it. Um, I'm obsessed with this woman. Her name is Lisa Smith. You know her from her book girl walks out of a bar hit book about being an attorney who's also an alcoholic and addict and she bravely busted out with this book right when it became news that hey guess what there are a lot of lawyers who are alcoholics. I could have told you that before, but the news just ca- caught on to that. And Lisa has sort of been the face of that movement. And it's just, she's just the loveliest woman ever. She's a practicing attorney, graduate of Northwestern. She's been published in The Washington Post, The Chicago Tribune, I had the pleasure of editing her when I was at After Party Magazine. And we got to fall in love with each other, see each other for the first time over this interview. We did it over Facebook Live, so you know the drill. Audio's not as great as it usually is with that pristine audio. But um, I hope you love her. I think you will. She's featured in my free download, Your Guide to Becoming a Light Hustler. She's the ultimate Light Hustler. If you want that guide, my interview with her and Ryan Hampton and Omar Pinto and Brian Cuban and a whole bunch of other folks, go to annadavidcoaching.com That's right, my name, david Coaching.com. With that, I give you Lisa Smith. Hi, hi! <laughs> I'm Anna David. I'm here with author and lawyer Lisa Smith. Hi. Um, I was just about to get super confrontational with Lisa Smith, but before <laughs> before I do that, I want to welcome you guys and let you know I am here every Tuesday at four o'clock Pacific Standard Time talking to a light hustler, somebody who's <laughs> taken their dark, shared their dark to find their light. And I love it when you guys are here and watching, but contrary to the name you don't actually have to be live to see a Facebook Live. Did you know that? You can see it later. Uh, but please, it's great when you're here and when you comment. We love it so much. Speaking of which, if you want to share it with a friend, now's a good time. We're going to talk about how Lisa basically is in the most conservative corporate career, <laughs> was a raging alcoholic and cocaine addict, and has come out with all of that in a hit book and is still gainfully employed and more successful than ever. So that's a story you want to hear, especially people who are terrified to come out about being alcoholic um, and addicted and really, really afraid it's going to impact their career. I think this is incredibly Mm -hmm. useful. So Lisa, oh, so Lisa's book is girl walks out of a bar work girl walks out of a bar. And she had Lisa has been sober for more than a decade. How long now? 13 and a half, 13. She's trying to catch up to me. Yeah. <laughs> not get there. Um, yeah. And she is now uh, speaking all over about addiction recovery. She's quoted all over. She was on Megan Kelly. That was just like two weeks ago. Yeah.
1: Yeah. That was a lot of fun. Uh, she was really nice. She
0: is, t- she is very concerned with the issue of addiction. She is.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Which is wonderful. Yeah.
0: Um, but uh, let's talk more about you. Who cares about Megan Kelly? <laughs> let's just keep talking about you. Um, and she speaks all over. She has written for me at, at when I was at After Party, but also the Washington Post, Chicago Tribune. Um, she's a badass. I've slept in her bed. I've slept in her bed. Yet this is the first time we're seeing each other. It's, it's like totally a riddle. True. It's like totally. a riddle.
1: How? <laughs> wait, like, how?
0: Yeah. Okay, you guys. I want you in the comments to try to figure out how I could have slept in her bed and yet we had not laid eyes on each other until just now, and no, it's not that we were both passed out. That's anyway, true. it
1: could have been that. It could have been that, but it wasn't.
0: But it wasn't. So please put your your uh, theories about this in the comments, and we'll read them aloud. And in case you are listening to this on my podcast, uh, welcome. I, I know the sound isn't as great as it usually is, and you don't know that Lisa's website is Lisa Smith author, uh, dot com, but you watching, you do know that Christopher Keeley is yeah. saying, how that? It's a pretty good guess. It's not quite right.
1: Oh, I wasn't oh, house sat. No, it was, it's a good guess. It's a very it's good guess. It's really no.
0: goddamn close, but yeah, no, I wasn't house sitting. <laughs> Tam, Tammy says she sold you a mattress. That that definitely gets points for creativity. I like, that. I um, like That no, and and you know if anybody could talk me into buying an overpriced mattress, which they all are, it's probably Lisa. So Lisa, let's get into it. You have been um, a practicing attorney for about a decade and a half. Is that right?
1: Uh, longer than that. Really? Um, yeah. Uh, I practiced for about five and a half years and switched over onto the administrative side where I've been for like 20. Wow. <laughs> Long so time. You, you started
0: at eight. I was like, 15. I was like
1: 12.
0: Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. yeah.
1: yeah I, went, I went to law school really early.
0: Prodigy. Yeah. Now, and, and let's talk about your, your problem with alcohol and cocaine. When did that develop? How did it develop? When did you realize it was a
1: problem? Well, I was always, you know, this is part of why I love your writing. I was always a party girl Mm -hmm. um, in college, in in high school, and in law school. I was always like the one who was ready to go out for drinks, the one ready to go out and stay out later. And then when I started working in the city and started practicing law, um, I think that was when it really, during my first year of law practice is when I started drinking daily, and mm-hmm. when i started drinking by myself if i didn't have someone to go drink with and then after that it was like a 10 year slide you know from you know drinking a half a bottle of wine a night to a bottle to then did i open a second and then um later on much later on the cocaine came in and it it wasn't at all about i mean i always loved cocaine as as a party thing but when i started using around the clock it had nothing to do with the party it was all yeah. about just being able to straighten out and be able to go to work, be able to not seem drunk, to not fall asleep. And I could strike this weird balance. And it's always hard because if, if you haven't sort of been in that space, it's, it's hard to describe. But if you get them both countering each other in a certain way, you know, that for me was when I would seem normal to the outside world.
0: Okay. I never had that. <laughs> Ever. I feel like when I got to the place of doing cocaine alone, I was never seemed normal and I was not doing it for fun anymore, but I was doing it and like, you know, oh my God, would you do it? And then just go, oh my God, they know I'm high. They know I'm high. And that's like, all you're thinking is they know I'm high or no?
1: Oh yeah. I was so paranoid. I was so paranoid all the time. Um, I was, you know, I I talk about in the book, which is totally true. Like I would get into um elevators to go to work. And I would think everybody was looking at me. Do they smell me? Did I not see a cop with his like drug sniffing dog in the back of the elevator? I would walk down even without carrying drugs. I would walk down the subway stairs. And uh, if I saw like the crew with the table set up or the dogs or anything, I was back out. Didn't yeah. matter that I was, had nothing on me. <laughs> I was so paranoid. Yeah.
0: I don't know that you just reminded me of this thing where I, whenever I checked my mail, I would be convinced I was going to get a letter that I was evicted, like (laughs) that they saw that I was doing drugs, you know,
1: (laughs) like I actually had a solution for that, which was that I just stopped opening my mail entirely. yes. Yes. I swear when I met my friend, Mark, who's in the book, we, he was in my kitchen and Uh, he was like, oh, did you just get back from vacation? And I'm like, no, why? He's like, there's a giant pile of mail on your counter. And I'm thinking, no, that's just, I just haven't opened it.
0: It was just one of those
1: things that wasn't that important at the time.
0: You know, interestingly, I have n- a number of people have talked to me about that. That doing that in recovery, this—it's not a thing. Uh, I have—I'm yeah. the person who opens the the bill. I do now. I do, yeah. But and I've paid it by the time I've sat down here yeah. at this counter. But I think also part of that is like I almost get like a dopamine rush. This is weird. I've never thought about this because. Like there were years when I was doing drugs, when I really didn't have money and just like, I've got
1: the money to pay this electricity bill.
0: (laughs) I'm going to pay it. Like, you know, I get my kicks where I can now.
1: I hear you. I hear Totally. I deposited a healthcare reimbursement check at the bank today. And I was like, yes, that was like, you know, I made it to the bank. I put it in. You funny. go to the bank still? You don't do with the little I app? Have a landline. I go to the bank. You know, isn't that adorable, <laughs> yeah. you guys? Lisa <laughs> has
0: a landline. And I know that because when I slept in her bed and nobody's totally figured out how, I saw the landline.
1: <laughs> Did you laugh I it- when you saw the landline? You
0: may have worn, you're so organized. And I think you typed out like 10 sheets of instructions for me. So you probably mentioned it and told me like I could use it or something. Sure, well, yeah. I'm sure you would have. I was, let like, me use I was it. like,
1: I want to lay out a metro card because we're in a weird area. Like, you got to get on the bus to get to the subway and you can't. Ride. I
0: never walked more. I, I remember being so proud of myself. I walked like 20,000 steps a day that week. It's amazing. It's really good for your ass where you live. Now, <laughs> you, so as you're do, like, were you high on
1: Coke, uh, in courtrooms, um, with clients? No, I was high in conference rooms and with partners. Um, and I would know when I had to be in a meeting when I would have to sort of calibrate for, you know, get going in and showing up and I could mm-hmm. do that. But, you know, part of it, it was able to go on, went on for about 18 months. Um, And in part, I could go on because I was able to work from home a lot. So I could kind of flex my schedule. If I had to show up and be normal from 9 to 5 on Monday through Friday, it never would have happened. Yeah. I I wouldn't have been able to do that. I was able to manipulate my schedule enough that, you know, I could kind of pull it off for a while. I mean, I was circling the drain. And then one morning, I thought I was having a heart attack. And and I was like, I've overdosed. This is it. And that was when I just was like, I can't do this anymore. That day, I was dressed, ready to go to work. Yeah. Um, It was a Monday morning and I went back.
0: And that's isn't that the opening scene of your book?
1: Uh, Yeah. It starts that morning. It's me getting ready. To go that morning and I drink wine and I do blow and I realize I have to get more Coke because I'm out now and then I get all stressed out about that. And as I'm going to work with my laptop and my briefcase, I get to the elevator and I think I'm having this heart attack. And then I go back into the apartment and call for help.
0: And now people sometimes will think that's an interesting story that nobody intervened. Mine is the same thing. It was a decision I made. Do you think that's because you were so high functioning that nobody really
1: I to intervene? Th- I think so. I think if something had happened, if I had missed, you know, work deadlines or if I had, um, you know, been unavailable when I was supposed to be available, then people would have taken a look probably and then, you know, put pieces together, maybe like, gee, her office is a disaster. And, you know, she never really comes into the office except when she has meetings. Um, but as long as everything was rolling along, you know, and I could still hang out with my friends. We would go out to dinner. And what they didn't see was what happened when they went home and I went home and then started drinking and using by myself.
0: So. And were you with Craig yet at that no. time? He's never seen
1: me drink. So, and so you, you go to treatment, you did outpatient treatment. Is that right? Yeah, I did five days in a detox, um, which I have to say, don't ever, um, ask your Uh, gastroenterologist where to go to detox because you'll end up in the worst one in New York City. It was terrible. Now,
0: did you really need five days of detox? Were you drinking that much that you did? Yeah.
1: Well, it was like around the clock and with the cocaine. Yeah. I couldn't get out of bed without it. I would get up, drink something, throw it up and then have to wait and then drink a little more. It was going to come crashing down any minute. So you bring up the question,
0: who should you ask where to go to detox if you want to go, if you need to go?
1: I think we have so many now communities that to reach out to. I mean, you could, you've done great work on where to go to detox, where to go to rehabs.
0: Yeah. Um, Do you get emails from people asking you yes. for help? And yeah. and it, it's, it's challenging because I'll get emails from, from parents and from people. And I I don't know about you, like I've, I've met people at meetings. I've had people in New York who I've had meet at meetings and I've recommended rehabs for people. Is that what you do?
1: Yeah. I'll usually say here are a couple I know of locally that I've heard, you know, basically from people I know who've gotten sober in those places. And, um, and then, you know, they sort of leave it there. And if not, I'll. You know, sometimes somebody will reach out to me who is in a different part of the country and there are, I'll go on one of the Facebook groups I belong to, like, does anybody, can somebody connect with someone in this area? So we do so much. I mean, it's so different. Like, I felt very much when I got sober that, you know, it was go to meetings and hang, do fellowship and that's what was there. And now, you know, there's the community online is unbelievable. It really is so different. And it's really
0: popped up in those years since you and I have yeah. been around. There was nothing. I mean, I I found all, you
1: right away. You did. How did you find me? I just was looking for, you know, how do I find someone cool and sober? You know? <laughs> and, and, I and basically my, my face Googled you up. and you popped up.
0: No, here's what happened. You did uh Jenny Bell's writing group. Yeah. That's how you found me, because no. I had done it too.
1: Oh! When I, after we connected, I—that's when we b- realized we both had been in Jenny's writing group. Okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah.
0: I want to say hey to Wes and Christopher and um, Tammy. You guys, other people chime in. Nobody has figured out exactly the mystery of how I slept in Lisa's bed. Although uh, Christopher did say AirbnB or HomeShare. Another great guess. That's not correct, last. <laughs> Um, now, now, because I would say, you know, first of all, I remember when I got on Facebook, when I got sober, Facebook yeah. did exist, but it was for college students only. Yeah. And then, um, yeah. And then when, when I started at, at the fix and then at after party, there was like maybe a couple sober bloggers. Now I personally know yeah. 40, 40, yeah, maybe. Yeah. Um, No,
1: I cyber stalked you and found you and was following you and reading you before I reached out to you.
0: Oh, is that creepy and fun? I know.
1: Am I creeping you out?
0: Uh, No, tell me more. My ego (laughs) only, I I only want to know people who stalk me on the internet first. That's the only way into my heart. Right here. um, now, so yes, we connected and then I was lucky enough
1: to read an advanced copy of your well, book. you were kind enough to be willing to read an advanced copy.
0: And, and, you know, I will say it is something, and I'm sure this is happening to you now too, where people ask you to blurb their books and oftentimes you're extremely busy or yeah. you don't respond to the book. And it was such a pleasure. Um, oh,
1: so and kind. it's rarely a pleasure. And I, yeah, I was, so ecstatic. I remember Craig was, uh, was here and I was like, Oh my God, she wrote back. She's going to read it. Oh, I was, please. Uh, this is how nice Lisa is. She sent me
0: a certificate to get a massage. Now, do you want to know what I've done for people who've learned my books? <laughs> nothing. And you made me realize that's what you're supposed, you're supposed to be so grateful. I was always like, okay, cool. Yeah. Thank you. Whatever. Um, but anyway, so, so one thing that I do want to tell you guys is that I, uh, have profiled, I, this is how obsessed I am with Lisa. I profiled her. I made, I wrote a guide to becoming a light hustler where I profiled Lisa, Ryan Hampton, Omar Pinto, Brian Cuban, who's going to be my guest next week and a whole bunch of other people. And you guys can get that for free. If you want to even know what is a light hustler or how do you share your dark to find your light so that you can live a wonderful life, but also possibly have a new career, just go to Anna David coaching.com and download now. Okay. So here's what I really want to know about this decision to come out, uh, about
1: your addiction knowing mm-hmm. that that would impact your career. Yeah. Yeah. I you know, it was weird because I really I never set out to write a book. Um I was kind of writing the story because I had been hidden, you know, nobody really knew what was going on with me and all my friends and family were like, you know, what happened? When and I was you know, and all of a sudden then I'm up early. Like I started writing at five in the morning and I just started writing down first the crazy story and the detox because I, for some reason I was like, this has to be memorialized because it will come in handy for something someday. And then I got I really liked writing in the morning and it was cathartic and it was helping me process everything. So then I got in, and after- a while. I got in Jenny Bell's workshops. I took some NYU night classes. I went to some memoir stuff. And once it was going to be, I realized, I I guess this could really be a book. I'm working on a book. Then it was like, should I suit, you know, take a pseudonym? Should I fictionalize it? And really like, I just kept thinking about how alone I felt like the whole time I was, you know, sick and suffering. And, um, I thought if this is going to help, the next person, which this is like the book I would want to read. Uh, I wish I had read like when I was first getting sober or around that time. I need to own it, you know, and I need mm-hmm. to I need to put my name on it. And if I want to be in any way trying to make a difference in breaking the stigma around, you know, not just the addiction stuff, but the mental health stuff, um, you know, because I deal with depression also and. Um, I thought I needed to be able to, you know, sort of raise my hand and say, "Yeah, this is me. This is, you know, an alcoholic cocaine addict right here," and mm-hmm. holding a job and showing up to work. And I'm very fortunate that I work with the greatest people because I had to tell them, like, "Hey, you know, you guys know how I write, but I got a book deal," and they were like, "That's so great! We're so excited for you." And then I would like shut the door and be, you know, partners in a big New York firm. Now let me tell you what it's about, and uh, you know, they've just. It, been incredibly supportive. And, you know, the, the funny thing is when you start talking about it, I couldn't even get my story out most of the time before someone would say like, oh, you know, my law school roommate, my cousin, you know, my sister, everybody gets affected somehow. You know, this thing has touched everybody.
0: Yeah. I was just telling someone this yesterday when I speak at colleges, you know, I'll start it and say, you know, raise your hand if you, you or someone you love has been affected by alcoholism and every single person right. raises their hand. Right. Um, so, okay, but okay. I would do want to say that, um, Christopher is totally out. His blog was called addict at live journal. He's written two books, addict out of the dark and into the light and my personal story is paradise life. So, yes, I that all that being said, I completely understand why people would are not in a position where they can come out. Totally.
1: Absolutely. And I always say that people say, well, will it be better if I tell my employer. Um, your recovery, your decision to be in recovery could not be more personal and, you know, there is no obligation You know, I switched firms 10 months into sobriety. I never told the firm I was at when I got sober and I didn't talk about it when I was interviewing at the firm I moved to that I'm still at. It's just, it's a personal thing. Some people, you know, get something happens with their work or at work and there's no avoiding, you know, the Mm -hmm, fact mm -hmm. that this has gone down. But otherwise, you know, it's a very personal choice.
0: It so were they uh, were were you scared about what if I don't always work with cool people are other people gonna you know is this gonna affect my future employment?
1: Um, yeah, I I was but I was thinking that I was willing to take the leap. You know, yeah. I, I was if 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 it had ever come down to a choice between the book and being able to you know speak up um, and my job, I am fortunate that I you know could have figured out how to deal with it to just to choose the book.
0: Now, what, um, has surprised you the most, what's been the most surprising responses, results of the book, anything like that?
1: Um, uh, it's just, it's been, I've I've been feeling so fortunate. I mean, it's been so great, but I, I think one of the things, more and more people I, I noticed, had related to or identified with the food part of my story than even the drugs or alcohol, um, and I think that that you know that whole thing of me starting out as a kid, you know, using food as my first substance was really something that um, I didn't expect that to strike a nerve in any way. Mm-hmm. I really didn't, and, and um, you know, I think the the fact I, I it just happened to come out at the time that. A big study was done on lawyers and substance abuse and mental health issues. And that, you know, kind of, I was able to give like the personal, the face of that Mm -hmm. study. Um, And... Being able to, you know, kind of go out and hear lawyers talk about first talking about this stuff and the mental health angle, like it is not just addiction and recovery, it's mental health, it's all kinds of any kind of addiction, any kind of substance. So, um, yeah, I've, I've been surprised at, you know, kind of how broadly it can, it can reach.
0: In terms of depression, are you somebody I, I know for me it is mm-hmm. just very uncomfortable still to talk yeah. about that, and um I was speaking at a rehab recently where the woman where someone there said, "Oh, I'm completely fine coming out and saying I'm depressed, but saying I'm an
1: alcoholic is so hard. It's the opposite for me, yeah, yeah, and for a lot of people for a lot mm-hmm. of people um i I think that I was so relieved to, because I feel like my, the depression and, you know, and when it comes up, it's that, it's that voice that has always been inside me saying, you know, there's no point, you're no good, you know, you're not pretty enough, you're not smart enough, you're not, you know, comparing myself to other people and finding, you know, that I came up short and, you know, I never had a name for that voice. And the thing in my head that when I would wake up in the morning, I would be like, Ugh. I don't even want to get out of bed. I don't want to, you know, I can't get out of bed, like physically trying to move. And just once the doctor said to me, you know, I think what you've been doing is medicating an undiagnosed depressive disorder, self-medicating, probably since you were a kid and we're like snarfing yodels in the mm-hmm. upstairs bathroom of my parents' house, you know, and now he gave me a name for that voice and a name for the thing and said, here's how we can fix it. We can get you on medication. I think I was so relieved yeah. That, um, that I, I was okay with it. What do um, you take? I take Lexapro, mm-hmm. which is what they put me on right away. And, and that I was so lucky. I mean, and that's another thing. I'm so lucky that A, they got the diagnosis right. And B, they found the medication, a medication that, um, worked really well for me. So many people struggle with both of those pieces Um, And then I also take, because after a while I had to adjust because it had been like eight years or something and and, um, we added Wellbutrin, but I stay tight with my doctor.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I think this is especially important as we come along to the holidays where uh, depression tends to peak, you know, and in terms of recovery, I don't know if you've ever heard this one. Addiction is a threefold disease, Thanksgiving, Christmas, and New Year's. The Bermuda Triangle. Yeah. So, um, and it really all starts this week and families can
1: be big, big triggers. Oh my gosh. Yeah.
0: Do you have recommendations for people in terms of making it through the holidays, avoiding depression, all of that?
1: Yeah, I think, you know, it's more important than ever during the holidays to, to practice self-care, which it's, it's the hardest time. There's so much on our plates, you know? work can be really busy with year end stuff, whatever it is. And you've got all these parties you're supposed to go to and shopping and cooking and doing all that, that, that I find the holidays are the hardest time to take a time out and, you know, get in things like that I need to do, like get to meetings, make sure I'm, you know, doing some meditation, getting a good night's sleep. And my favorite thing at the holidays is always remembering that no is a complete sentence,
0: Mm. you know,
1: and sometimes to just, I'm not going to do that, or I'm going to go for a half an hour. I'm not staying.
0: You know what I've managed to do to, twi- to twist that theory on its head yeah. during the holidays is feel sorry for myself because I don't have too much to do, and I'm hearing everyone talk, and I'm like, well, clearly I'm not invited to enough parties, and clearly I don't have enough like people who who love me. Oh my
1: god, you're always at the coolest parties.
0: That's that's called Instagram. <laughs> that's that's not called real life. No. Of um, But, but I was just going through this, my guy and I were planning to like go to uh, a movie on, on uh, Thanksgiving. And then he was like, oh, I was invited to two places for Thanksgiving. Let's go to one of them. And I'm like, I wasn't, I'm not loved. Are you cooking Thanksgiving by the way?
1: No, I cook nothing. I went to Murray's cheese today and got like 12 pounds of cheese for my brother's house, which is like Um, 30 people.
0: Okay. And your kitchen, to be fair, is very small. It is. The smallest room in your home.
1: It is. It is. Has anyone guessed? No one's guessed.
0: No one's guessed. They've even stopped guessing. We wore them out. Um, I mean, I really will say the house sitting was so damn close that I should have given it to you. But Lisa was kind enough to let me stay in her apartment when she was in Greece. And she left me a Metro (laughs) card and (laughs) towels. And it was just so lovely.
1: You were interviewing...
0: Who was I interviewing? Oh, Jemima Kirke. Yes, Kirk. I
1: said stay yes. in my apartment and interview and Jemima. and bring her back. Uh, bring her back. Take pictures. Cooler than Jessa, yeah. which is
0: almost impossible. And I love
1: your I love your conversations with her.
0: She was so great. Oh, you're going to give
1: me a hard time about L.A. Yes. Okay. So, like, randomly see on social media you writing somebody
0: else and being like, "Oh, hey, I'm in L.A. or something," and I was like, no, I she didn't call. She didn't call me."
1: Okay. I posted because I went to LA on Sunday. I got in Sunday night. Mm-hmm. I spoke on mm-hmm. Monday morning at, at a law firm. Okay, and then I flew to San Jose to speak at their Palo Alto office the next day. Okay, I'm over it, and I'm okay with it because I want to well, know. So these I never law firms, the okay, other fine. Than to go to the, to go to, we're the, okay. Um, thing.
0: We're still okay. I think. Um, now, and so law firms are bringing you in to talk about alcoholism in the, in the law profession,
1: including the firm that I bottomed out at that didn't know when I was doing all that, they had me come in and talk to their attorneys and staff. Wow. That was a hard one. That was my hardest one to sort of, Wow, yeah, they were amazing.
0: It does seem like your, uh, This concept that, like, oh, hello, there's terrible alcoholism among lawyers. (laughs) Your book seems to seem to come out right at the time, and who much. knows how much your book
1: sort of contributed to that conversation. But suddenly that was an epiphany, like that's news. Right, right. It was like the first major study done in 25 years on lawyers and substance abuse and mental health and showed on the substance abuse thing, it was 20% of working, you know, currently employed, practicing lawyers with a substance abuse problem, predominantly alcohol. And, you know, the general population is like 9%. So it's more than twice. The, although uh, I, I don't
0: believe that nine percent for a second, but
1: <laughs> where um, would you pack it? Where would you guess
0: twenty five yeah, I don't know. um I got into this infuriating conversation, oh God, we gotta wrap up soon. I could talk to you forever but <laughs> I did want to say about, did you see that story last week? Um, And obviously if you're listening on the podcast,
1: this was a little while
0: ago about how AA is rife with predators and sexual harassers and rapists. Yeah,
1: Yeah. How do you feel
0: when you see stories like that?
1: You know, I, I have never had any experience remotely close to that and I have not known anybody in any of my, you know, 13 and a half years of going to meetings that has experienced that you know, predatory behavior. There've been, you know, if there's somebody who the women in the group might think might be making a woman uncomfortable, the women are all over it. Um, in yeah. my experience, I I don't know if it's because I'm usually in New York City and maybe people are more um, assertive about that. I don't know what, I don't know what it is, but um, I haven't seen that. Have you?
0: No, but first, let's just say that Amber um, freaking loves your book. Loves ah! you um (laughs) I have never ever seen you know I have been sexually harassed everywhere but in AA I can happily say and um I I think you know when I first came in I was like dying for attention and I'd literally be like hey do you want to go out with me and people would be like you're new god no I know. Um,
1: I was totally, I totally had a crush on this guy and I would, I knew he was a musician and I wore like my Rolling Stones hat with the tongue on it so that he would start talking to me. And he was like, nice hat, walk by. And then hey, he saw the hat. He, he saw the hat. nice hat. And then later we, when well, we became friends much later, I was like, I was, you know, and he was like, yeah, no can do newcomer. Stay away. Yeah. I, um,
0: you know, I, I, those stories seem to, um, I know they want to do good, I think, but they, they tend to just, uh, you know, I, I, it's, uh, clearly AA is not for everybody, but, um, it right. really can scare off some people whose lives would be saved by it. Yeah. When you're yeah. saying it's full of rapists because I, yeah, I too, it's 17 and, oh, and a half years yeah, of no. meetings. Never have I, uh, experienced
1: uh, yeah. that. Yeah. And certainly, and I've gone and I'm sure you have all over the country and, Various places. I have never experienced anything like that. So I mean, even so, to say it's full of that. Yeah, I hate if that scares people away.
0: Yeah. And by the way, New York meetings. I could barely get anybody to even talk to me, let alone harass me. So I. They're not yeah, not friendly. Yeah. Not friendly.
1: <laughs> um, really? We're in LA. They give you cake.
0: Oh, we get applause. We get yeah. Cake. Um. Hey, Eileen, also loved your book. Um, Thank you, Eileen. Um, yeah, in it, I it basically in LA. I love you. If you're sober, if you're saying yeah. I love you, it means like we go to meetings together. That's right, pretty right. what the translation yeah. of I love you. That, right. That's how great. it yeah. is. he says twelve steps and tradition saves my life. Well, me too, Lisa. You are uh, such a delight. If anybody wants to find out <laughs> more about Lisa, wait, I just had the URL. Hold on. If you want to freaking love her book the way um, Amber. <laughs> and Eileen do, go find out more about Lisa, lisasmithauthor.com and, or just go get the book on Amazon, Girl Walks Out of a Bar. Um, is there anywhere else I should tell them to go for it?
1: Uh, no, it's in a lot of Barnes and Noble, um, but it's also online.
0: And if you yeah. want to, if you want to read my interview with Lisa, find out how she became such a light hustler. You can go to annadavidcoaching.com and sign up for it. <laughs> And that's about it. You guys have a lovely Thanksgiving. Come back next week. I'm doing a special on lawyers in recovery. because yeah, We're right. going to have Brian Cuban yeah. and, um, and Lisa, thank you so, so, so uh, much.
1: Thank you. This is the best.
0: Super fun. Okay. Bye
1: guys. Okay. Bye.